0: That last hymn we sung, holy, 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 it's it's an interesting hymn. It's always for me like, it's almost like an anthem. You almost want to jump to attention when you sing the song and really um, worship the Lord through that singing. He's holy, holy, holy. Amen. Yes, I think it must be about eight years since we've been here, I guess. But I always enjoy coming to this church. Um, I enjoy the singing. There's very few churches sing like you all. And one thing I really appreciate uh, from the time spent over here was that when you go out after a service, you always feel excited about getting the gospel out. And that's very important. You don't find that in, any, in many churches these days. And that's kind of sad because that's the essence of what we as Christians are. We need to get the gospel out because our Lord is coming soon. I want to read a short uh, few verses in the Bible and then we'll pray and then we'll carry on. And we'll look at the second coming of the Lord Jesus, but we'll look at it at a slightly different angle than normal. And um, let's, let's turn our Bibles to Psalm 13. Psalm 13, a very famous Psalm, but maybe not one you would have expected me to read today. Psalm 13, David wrote it. I did not do the research over when exactly he wrote it and why, but it's a bit like a cry we've got in our hearts in these days in these last days the bible says in psalm 13 how long will thou forget me o lord forever how long will thou hide thy face from me how long shall i take counsel in my soul having sorrow in my heart daily how long shall mine enemy be exalted over me consider and hear me o lord my god lighten mine eyes lest i sleep the sleep of death Lest mine enemies say I have prevailed against him, and those that trouble me rejoice when I am moved, but I have trusted in thy mercy. My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. I will sing unto the Lord, because he hath dealt bountifully with me. And we see the despair in the beginning, and in the end we see the hope. And one more verse in Matthew 5 verse 6, very famous verse, Matthew 5 verse 6. Lord Jesus is speaking there to the people, teaching them all these things. And many of these things will only really come to pass when the Lord returns. Matthew 5 verse 6. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And that's something we, we, we long for these days is righteousness. We say how long O lord let's pray our father when we look at the things around us lord we ask ourselves how long before our lord comes back how long before the lord jesus comes and uh, take his church away and before the lord jesus comes to reign rule and reign forever how long lord we pray lord speak to us this morning encourage us lord inspire us lord so that we when we go out here that we will be encouraged to take the scripture and the gospel and the tracts, Lord, that teach about the Lord Jesus Christ, take him to people around us, because we know the time is short. We look for thy return, and we say, even so, come Lord Jesus. Amen. I want to look at uh, an interesting approach. When you look at Israel, and, and I think I'm a bit uh, biased at the moment, because we work with Israel and the Hebrew things each and every day. And we always start looking at Israel. But the more you read the Bible, the more you realize you cannot separate the Bible from Israel. And the same thing happens when you look at the second coming. So I want to look at Israel basically used as a, as a framework by God and um, pointing throughout human history to where we are. And now it points to the rapture and the second coming. We don't know exactly when the rapture would take place. We don't know when the second coming would take place. We're not supposed to know the exact day. Otherwise, the Lord would have told us. And we though the Bible wants us to take note of these things, and He wants to, us to take note of it, it's coming soon and it's hastening near. So to try and figure out when it happens, you have to look at a few things. You look at the situation. You look at the things around it. And then you can sort of gauge when the Lord will come back. We have to expect it any day. But you kind of figure out when it would be, you never say set a date, but to kind of figure out when it would be, you look at all the other factors. And then you approximate it from that. Now let's look at an analogy. If you look at Daniel, the dream that Nebuchadnezzar had in Daniel, there was this image. It was a head, and he had different parts. He had a head, an upper torso, an abdomen, thighs, lower legs with feet. And that's kind of how our human history works as well. You've got this body. And it's got all the little bits and pieces around it. But if you go into this body, on the inside there's something very special, and that's the bone structure, the skeleton. And without that skeleton, it won't function. That's the thing that gives you the structure, it gives you the, the posture, gives you the strength. You've got these muscles to pull this way and that way, but if it doesn't have the bones to pull against, that body is useless. It will just be a blob of flesh and meat on the, on the ground and israel is pretty much like that structure inside of human history you've got all the nations around doing various things and they've got their purpose but israel is the one giving structure and dimension to this um, this body of human history and that's how god uses them He gives the dimension the length the width the depth the posture how it can stand the strength if you look at a clock face and you see the earth and, and the people being the little hour hand, and that's all the Gentiles, then Israel would be the one showing the minutes. You can tell from the, the world and the things around how close we are to the Lord's coming, but if you look at Israel, you get it a bit more precise. And in these days, very interesting things are happening. If you open your... Your newspaper and you read these things, you open your internet, you browse, you look at the websites, you switch television on, you look at the news, you realize one thing, Psalm 2 speaks about why do the heathen rage, why do the people imagine a vain thing. There are a lot of talk of, about wars these days. Um, every newscast they have on their lips, the names of Russia, North Korea, Syria, Turkey, Iran, Israel, Jerusalem. Why is everybody talking about it? Why is it just, it just grows and grows and grows? When I read my Bible in Ezekiel 38, and I read the newspaper, things start pulling together. Where It speaks about Gog, the chief prince of Magog, rising up in Russia, intimidating the whole world, coming to uh, Jerusalem, Israel, the Lord delivering them there. You look um, in Revelation 16, you start seeing the kings of the east in your newspaper as well how they started shuffling about, getting their positions and places ready for what's going to happen in Revelation 16, where they would also come towards Israel. All these things are pulling, pulling, pulling closer. And then the unthinkable is happening nowadays. A few years ago, eight, ten years ago, if you would have said to somebody, oh, Russia would be just north of Israel with military forces and power, we would have thought it's not really going to happen. In the last few years you've got that you've got a, like 10-20 miles and there's Russia's bases or even even closer the, the strangest things the unthinkable has happened and then you've got this mighty power of Russia aligning itself with outspoken enemies of Israel why why do they rage against uh, the Lord and, and against his anointed they rage against the Lord's anointed because they is in essence really raging against the Lord himself I know in the Lord, uh, in, in Psalm 2, when he speaks about that, he speaks about the Lord Jesus Christ as being the Lord's anointed. But Israel also carries a bit of a special place in God's view and, and, and his anointing. And they rage against them, but they don't rage against them because of who they are as a people. They rage against them because of who the God of Israel is. That's the sinful nature. And then you see that these nations, they seem to forget something about this whole process and about everything. They seem to forget that in Psalm 22, Psalm 22, verse 28, the Lord mentioned something there. Specifically about the nation of Israel, about the kingdom of Israel, about the land of Israel. He mentioned, for the kingdom is the Lord's, and he is the governor among the nations. You want to know who rules over everything in the end? It's not this nation or that nation or this ruler or that ruler. It is the Lord. He is the governor among the nations. They seem to forget that. They also seem to disregard Isaiah 43, verse 1 to 21. And in that passage, the Lord calls Israel his own. He's not just saying Israel is something this or that or some special nation he calls them his own and they disregard that and then they also reject Leviticus 25 verse 23 and the interesting thing in Leviticus 5 verse 25 verse 23 is that not only does the Gentiles reject that it seems like many <coughs> Jewish people also do the same thing. Leviticus 25 verse 23 says, The land shall not be sold forever, for the land is mine. For ye are strangers, and sojourners with me. And then God calls that piece of real estate in the middle of the world, they, He calls it His own land. And they should not supposed to sell it or give it away. But dear friend, consider this, that God truly shows his sovereignty, and how He really is the governor of all the nations, in this strange way in that He allows all these nations to rise up, be strong, conquer, make war, do all these things. And yet still, in the end, it plays out as if it's some sort of theater play where everything just comes together and it falls into God's prophecies, that He's given hundreds. Thousands of years ago. And then he shows how, how sovereign he is, how powerful he is in being able to give them their own free will. They can do what they want. They can mess about, do all these things. And God still brings it about in, in, in a way to play out in that way when it comes to his, his, his purpose. I was actually looking at a, uh, a more personal example recently. Uh, we went back to South Africa, visited some family. And we are looking, uh, getting some history books and things. And I was studying the history of South Africa a bit, and it was interesting, and then I came across the history of Imperial Britain in South Africa, and I looked through a few things there, and it struck me how this was an example of what I just said. Uh, There was this one particular um, war, and they were were fighting, and one young fellow, uh, he got caught in uh, in the war in in 1899, a young British man. Uh, very insignificant according to certain people Uh, according to himself he he didn't think so of course Uh, a young a a shortish man about five foot seven very determined face uh, blue eyes and um, he was in the in the in the war zone at some particular point he got captured as a prisoner of war you wouldn't think twice about it really however he escaped he went to his own country back eventually and then winston churchill became the very right man at that point in time for his nation of Britain to to really lead them in that war that was following with the Second World War and with the German people and the um, Axis people that fought with them. And the interesting thing is that the man was said to be uh, the general involved or overall of the people that got him captured that particular day or some even say it was the very same man that arrested him on that particular day, Louis Buerta, the South African general, Um, he was the Prime Minister of South Africa during uh, a particular time where they decided to side up with Britain to fight this new enemy, the the Nazi-led forces. And it's interesting how former foes would team up together and do certain other things, and they were going back and forth, nations between this, being uh, friendly in one day, fighting the other day, going all, all sorts of ways, and in the end, they they, they, they battled against a particular foe in, in, in Germany. Now you, you ask, why do I say that? What does that have to do with what we're talking about the second coming? There was something more important happened during that time, and that was Israel. God was working with Israel, preparing the land for Israel, preparing the the, the the physical land, preparing the people for Israel, and then He moved them under that pressure that happened during that time, moved them to Their own land. What is the significance of that? The significance of that is that God focused on Israel as a particular example towards other nations. And He focused on Israel because Israel is important in God's time frame to bring the end about. God has a purpose with Israel, this chosen nation. And we see this, this preparation of the people in the land in Ezekiel 36 prophesied there ezekiel 37 the actual land being prepared and ezekiel 38 is when the people come against him again but israel must be back in the land before the lord jesus will return and that has happened just about a week or two ago they started celebrating independence day in israel 70 years of the nation of israel and it's very significant 70 years it's, it's a kind of like a generation as well and many people think that it must point also to that Lord Jesus said, where this generation shall not pass until all these things be fulfilled, so we don't know, but it must be short. So Israel is there, they're in the land, this body that we looked at, it got into shape about 4,000 years ago, the head and so forth, the upper body, and now we're coming to the part where you're approaching the toes and you're finishing the body, and the whole body has become complete now. We, um, we look at these prophecies given ages ago about um, them being driven out into Babylonian captivity. If you look at the Bible and you read here and there, you start thinking there were many captive, uh, times of captivity, many of these exile periods. But when you really study it out, you realize there was only really one major one where they didn't serve God. They turned to other idols and then God took them away, some to the Assyrian Uh, nation and then really pretty much into the Babylonian captivity and that was the one where God purged them from idolatry Coming back to the land they didn't serve God uh, properly yet so God dispersed them among the nations like he promised in Leviticus 26 but now that period of purging them from this idolatrous worship is over if you look at Israel as a nation As a nation, they're not serving other gods anymore. They're not serving idols anymore. As a nation, they might be secular, many of them, but they don't serve idols. Many of them do serve sort of uh, false gods and idols here and there. But as a nation, it's not as like it used to be. And that is coming to a close now where the Lord has turned them closer to His Bible. And they are now searching for the God of the Tanakh, the Old Testament, they now searching to rebuild the temple which they would think is the the temple for the god of the tanakh and the bible um, but it would really end up being the the, the the temple for the antichrist but they're approaching this now and now only one thing remains and the thing that remains is now turning them to that messiah the true messiah which they've been waiting for for all these years and that true messiah that's really the one that saves them that connects them with god and we know it's the lord jesus christ the bible is clear in that in so many prophecies being fulfilled in that man jesus from nazareth 2000 years ago and there's only one that's got all these prophecies being fulfilled and that's the lord jesus christ and now the time is to do that with them is to open their eyes and we know that god's purpose for that is through the great tribulation the time of jacob's trouble and god will turn their hearts to the lord jesus christ and then comes the end So now, stepping back from that, you realize that there's a seven-year tribulation in Scripture. And if the end is so near, looking at these prophecies, you realize something else. Well, step seven years back, that's even nearer to our time now. And that must come as a bit of a shock to us. Because in this, you realize that the Lord Jesus will come to take His church away like we mentioned in 1 Thessalonians, let's read that, 1 Thessalonians 4. And that's a very important part of Scripture because it's not something people talk about these days. You're a bit crazy for many people if you do actually even read these Scriptures, nevertheless, talk about them. But it's in the Bible, it was given by inspiration by God's Holy Spirit. And it says, For the Lord Himself, verse 16 shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord wherefore comfort one another with these words and this is a very important part because many people say that the word rapture is not in the Bible but if you really look at it caught up the word there in the Greek, it means to, you, you go over something, you grab it, and you pick it up. And the Latin for that would be rapture. So that's where we get the rapture from. It's a bit like this eagle flying over the water. You've all seen the video footage of it flying over the water. And it just goes like this, and it's got the fish in its claws. Just in a split second, in the, in the twinkling of an eye, it grabs that fish from beneath the surface of the water, and it's got it in its claw, and, and it's, and it's gone, going, flying off. And that's what the rapture is like. It's something that will just happen like that. And the Lord will take His church away and He starts dealing with Israel up to the end. And now we come to the key thing. People get upset and stressed over it when you start talking about the Lord's second coming, the Lord's return. They get upset and stressed over it when you start talking about the rapture. And there's a reason for it. They don't want it to happen. The Bible says, Wherefore comfort one another with these words. These kinds of things are given to us. This information is given to me and to you. So that when we talk with each other and we say, the Lord Jesus is coming back. You would be comforted by it. If we go back to our verses in the beginning that we read. The psalmist David cried out, How long, Lord, before these unrighteous things all around me happening? How long before it sees me? before you come and help me? That verse in um, Matthew 5 6, it speaks there about the people hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Now, it's very important that you do include the word righteousness there, because there are many people hungering, hungering and thirsting today that will not be filled. I'm sad to say but that's the truth. There are many people dying from hunger, physical hunger, physical thirst. That's just the reality. But the Lord is speaking here about those that hunger and thirst for righteousness. Righteousness between you and me. The things I do to you, the things you do to me. Righteousness we do to other people. Righteousness between nation and nation. People and people. And the only time you'll, you'll get that is when the Lord comes back. And He will come and things will now be settled. That issue you have against me thing i've got against you i don't like you because you've done this to me i don't like you because you you said that about me these things will get sorted if we are christians and we stand before the judgment seat of christ the lord will now have a time where these things can be sorted out for eternity we can now settle matters so it's a positive thing we are afraid of it really because we think you know all the evil things i've done and i want to hide it away i don't want it to, to be evident to the lord The Lord will settle matters. It's a positive thing. We must look forward to the time that we can come before the Lord. and His blood will cover us and we'll be clean from our sins. But matters will be settled. And we must also look forward to the time when God will finally come and settle matters on the earth. Uh, We're looking towards political leaders to try and sort out our problems in the world. And I'm sad to say, but it doesn't work. We all vote and and we hope this guy gets in or that guy gets in. And it doesn't work they all mess up in some way or the other way some are a little bit better than others but it doesn't work out for us so our hope is not on people but in this world where all these evil things are happening you sometimes find yourself that you're hungry it's not like you just want something you know sometimes you walk in the store and you see something nice and you just want it but you don't really need it so you just carry on but other times you walk in the store and you've got a few pounds in your, in your pocket here and you see a bread or you see a, a biscuit or something there and you, you've got this hunger pain and you realize, I, I really want that. My body wants it. I'm hungry for it. And then you buy it and you take it and you eat it because you hunger for it. And we're in that state where true Christians are starting to hunger for the Lord's return. They hunger for righteousness. And when will we get it? When the Lord comes back so it's a positive thing that the lord comes back it's not a negative thing it's the best thing that can happen to us Um, we sing about what a day that would be when my jesus i shall see oh happy day when we when we see the lord jesus we've got all these songs singing about the lord's return but now the question is this is it the positive thing for you are you happy about it are you excited about it are you doing something about it Uh, my mother just came and visited us recently to help out with a few things and we were all excited about their coming. We were preparing things beforehand. My wife's uh, parents will also come and visit us soon, uh, when the birth of the new baby is there, to help out with a few things. And we we're all excited about it. The baby is going to come, and we're excited about it. We're preparing things. We, we, we're buying things. Sometimes we're spending money, which we don't really have, to buy certain things to be prepared for when the baby arrives, for when grandma comes, for when granddad comes. Things must be Right. We plan things we want to go and see this we want them to take them and see that place because they've always wanted to see that we want to take them there we want to buy this for them and do this we we tell people about it i'm over here telling you about people coming to visit me i'm excited about it my kids tell their friends they tell other people oh grandma's coming grandpa's coming what are you doing with the lord's return are you excited about the lord's return are you excited to the point where You tell people about it if I should go and I tell young people today the Lord is coming soon they will say okay um, just not today just not no wait not not this year I need I've got a few things planned for this year I need to do certain things I need to achieve certain things I've got my studies to complete and my my degree and I, I still need to buy this car and that house over there and I need to marry this wife and do that. And the young people would have all these plans in front of them. If you look at older people, the same thing. There seems like people wanting to gather money and riches. They never get enough. I still need to get a bit more. I need to get a bit more. Their eyes on the wrong things. And the question is, what do you do with that? What do I do with that? If I talk about the Lord's return, are you excited about it? Will you tell people about it? Will you tell them, the Lord Jesus is going back. Be prepared. Get ready or um, are we afraid of it the only reason i can think of that i would not really want my mother-in-law to come and visit and my father-in-law and i think there's a joke in there somewhere (laughs) but is if some the relationship between us is not right if the relationship between me and this family member is not right and my my wife would come to me and say oh uh, my parents are coming for a visit and then suddenly i would say um is it is it necessary now what about um maybe maybe closer towards christmas uh, maybe you know can't we do something else go on a holiday somewhere else because our relationship is not right and the question i want to ask to you today is is your relationship right with the lord jesus are you excited about his coming it's a little bit different um, than most second coming messages i would, I would grant But if you look at the politics and the things happening in the world, you cannot deny the fact that it's coming soon. The Lord's return is coming soon. If you open the Bible, you read these things, and you read it in the newspaper, it's like you're reading the same thing. It's never been like that to that point. We live in a very exciting time. We live in a time where prophecies are happening and it's been fulfilled before our eyes. If you realize the significance of that, it's amazing we must be prepared the Lord is coming soon what kind of clothes do you think people would wear when the Lord comes back what kind of cars would they be driving what kind of planes would they be flying in what kind of television shows would they be watching well just switch on your television just look outside your window just walk down the street that's the kind of things that would go on when the Lord comes back he's coming soon the Lord is coming soon. And what must my answer be? Let's close with this. Revelation chapter 22, verse 20. Chapter 22, verse 20 of the book of Revelation. Very, very famous verse. He says, He which testifies these things, what things? The thing spoken of in Revelation is when the Lord comes back and the ball starts to roll for the the end time when the Lord Jesus really comes and He reigns and starts fixing things and He brings His judgment and all these things. What does the Christian say? He which testifies these things saith, Surely I come quickly. The Lord Jesus said, I've spoken these things and I'm telling you, surely I'm coming quickly. And what do we say? Amen even so come Lord Jesus and you and my response must be yes Lord I know all these things have happened and so and so and I've done these things Lord But I want to be right with you and even so come thy coming is positive thy coming is something I'm looking forward to today you might be here and uh, most people I would expect that our year would probably have some profession of salvation But no message is complete if you do not consider this. um, Am I part of God's children? Am I part of the family? And I want you to think about this seriously before we leave today. Make sure that you are saved. Saved by the Lord Jesus. Saved by His blood. By the work He's done on the cross. The complete work. You cannot add anything to it. He died. He was put in the the, the tomb, the, the grave. And then He rose up three days later now he's reigning us as lord and king and god and make sure you're part of of the lord jesus of his um, people that he will come and take away his church and you might ask what must i do to be saved let's read that one final verse in acts chapter 16 acts chapter 16 verse 30 What must I do to be saved? And brought them out and said, uh, let's go to verse uh, 29. Then he called for a light, It's a Philippian jailer, and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And that's the key question everybody is asking. I've been speaking to some people lately and um, they're confused over exactly how you get saved. Which church do you need to belong to? Which religion do you need to belong to? What must you do? How many times must you do this? How many times must you pray a day? What kind of things must you do? Let's see. The answer is over here. And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. You will be saved, and it's the same for your house. You must take this to your house. This is the message they must hear, this is what they must do. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. He doesn't say you might be saved. You, should, you will be saved. So let's pray. Close our eyes in a word of prayer. Now, Father, we think about the Lord, return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we've, we've seen so many things around us, the, the world and the nations raging in all sorts of ways. But we also see how thou hast prepared the times through thy nation Israel thy chosen people and they show us the time frame of exactly when the Lord will come and it's, it's showing it's pointing out to us that it must be soon very soon and we look at these things and we realize the Lord is coming back what am I doing about it am I prepared for it I ask Lord that each and every one will examine themselves whether they be in the faith and um, rectify these things that they will believe on the Lord Jesus Christ for their salvation i pray also lord those of us who are saved believe in the lord jesus christ children of god lord what are we doing about it help us lord inspire us through thy word take one more track this week and give it to somebody one more um gospel one more bible just give it out just talk to people about the lord lord that when thou comest back that thou would find us busy busy in thy kingdom busy in thy field i pray lord please bless this church and bless each and every one lord and bless us today with all the other things we've got planned but lord keep it burning in our hearts our lord is coming back soon and we must be working for him in jesus name our lord and savior amen, amen. thank you very much for your time